here, I, I've got an experiment for you, safety glasses on. By the end of this century, if emissions keep rising, the average temperature on Earth could go up another four to eight degrees. What I'm saying is the planet's on fucking fire. There are a lot of things we could do to put it out. Are any of them free? No, of course not. Nothing's free, you idiots. Grow the fuck up. You're not children anymore. I didn't mind explaining photosynthesis to you when you were 12, but you're adults now, and this is an actual crisis. Got it? Safety glasses off, motherfuckers. <laughs> When Enver Hoxha came to power after World War II, Albania was a predominantly Muslim nation with sizable Orthodox and Catholic minorities. Hoxha moved swiftly to quash faith in anything but his communist state. Holy books and icons were confiscated, houses of worship destroyed, and religious leaders paraded in show trials before being jailed or executed, executed, executed. In 1967, not content with merely shooting the messenger, Hodja outlawed God himself, declaring Albania the world's first atheist state. Atheist state executed. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. Make sure you check out my website, GodTVRadio.com. I am here with Paul's Ego. Make sure that you go to his channel and subscribe to him, comment and rate. He also works for the Drunken Peasants, so go over to Drunken Peasants as well as uh, DP Clips, right? Uh, it's a, yeah, the best of DP is our, is our Clips channel, yeah. All right. The first couple questions are going to be more based upon, like, uh, religious questions. Sure. Okay. Would you say that you are nihilistic or anti-theist? Um, I can definitely say I'm not nihilistic. Um, I have this cute little thing that I say that I, I don't care enough to be a nihilist. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I know that definitely I can say I'm not nihilistic. Anti-theist? That's a different uh, that's a different ball of wax. I never really liked labeling myself as an anti-theist 
but I do agree with some of the premises of anti-theism in the long run. I think that in the long run for humanity, if humanity is to survive, that religion and the dogma that comes with religion um, are an obstacle in the way. Um, that we're going to have to come to some agreement going forward that these fantasies are not reality um, so that people can enjoy the rights and privileges that they should as autonomous human beings. I mean, stands in the way of progress in a lot of ways, and I can agree with anti-theists on that. What I disagree with uh, anti-theists on is this idea that um, everything would be better without religion. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if there was no religion, uh, that humanity would have some other reason to squabble and fight and judge one another. Um, I think that, uh, religion is kind of an expression of human frailty. And, uh, I think some religious people would agree with that. Catholics probably. Um, so I don't know, man. Uh, I do agree with some tenets of anti-theism, but I, I don't call myself an anti-theist. I hope that that kind of covers it. All right. You'd stated that you're not nihilistic. Does life have objective purpose and meaning to you? No. Uh, no. Objective, um, objective is a word that uh, I don't really apply to um, moralistic terms. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a subjectivist when it comes to morality. And so I don't, I don't think that life uh, on this little tiny planet, in a tiny little corner of a tiny little spot of the known universe, um, in what may be a multiverse, I don't think that the life on this planet has any intrinsic objective value. Now, I'm part of this planet. I'm part of the life on this planet. And so I care about life on this planet. I do. Um, I think that human beings are worthwhile. I've, I've spent a lot of the best moments in, of my life in the presence of other human beings who I... I trust and respect and admire. Um, I'm very lucky to get to do a show three times a week with guys that I think are really funny and really smart. Um, you know, I find value in life. I love my little dog. I hate to see animals suffer. You know, these are all true about me. So certainly there is some kind of value to life. But that value is, is I think, utterly subjective, um, given that I am part of it. I am part of that life. Of course it's important to me. All right. Does love transcend the flesh, or is it just a stimulation from chemicals, like biting into a candy bar, as Richard Dawkins would state? Um, uh, well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I mean, I don't think it transcends the flesh. I don't believe <coughs> anything transcends the flesh. But uh, certainly love is associated with certain chemical reactions in the brain. I think love is a social construct more than anything. Um you know, human beings are social animals. Look how we live. I mean, uh, when a person lives on their own, they're thought to be a hermit, an outcast, you know. Uh, human beings survived their infancy because of the fact that they work together. I mean, you, look at a human being, Brett. Let's look at me or you. I'm a pretty soft thing, right? I mean, look, I'm smart, right? I've got a big brain. Mm-hmm. But if you drop me out in the fucking woods, what good am I against a bear or a fucking wolf, right? If I'm naked in the woods, I got nothing. If there's five of me, though, now we got something, right? Mm -hmm. I think that love 
uh, is an expression of that bonding that is so natural amongst the human uh, race. And uh, this desire to form those deep emotional contacts with people, I think, is an important part of being human. Uh, love is real, man, um, but it's not, some, it's not something that comes from outside of us. Um, you know, other animals don't love. <laughs> we love uh, because we have the capacity to understand ourselves. Do you believe in the possibility of God, and if so, why? The possibility of God. Well, I'm technically an agnostic atheist. Um, most atheists are agnostic atheists, uh, although many of them don't label themselves as such. Um, I'm willing to admit that I can't look under every rock in the fucking universe. I can't peer into every, you know, possible multiverse and look uh, everywhere in, in observable and non-observable reality for God, right? Um, so I remain agnostic on the existence of a possible God. Now, when you start adding attributes to God, like the Christian God or the Muslim God, it becomes a little easier for me to dismiss, right? This big, broad idea that maybe there's an intelligence uh, that started everything, I don't personally subscribe to it. Um, I haven't seen evidence that's led me down that path, uh, but I guess I can see why some people uh, hold that door open in their minds. I remain technically agnostic. I'm open to evidence. Um, you know, if somebody shows me some observable, testable, repeatable evidence of, a, of, a, of a, an intelligent designer, I'm happy to look at that evidence and change my position. I just haven't seen it. Um, and I don't really consider it in my day-to-day -day life. I don't walk around assuming that there's, that there's a God there um, and living my life uh, accordingly. That just doesn't enter into my, my world. All right. The next question I have for you is you go to sleep tonight, you wake up, and you find yourself in a dark room with two doors. One of the doors has a sign on it that says, Universe Without God. The other door says, Universe with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. Either door you go through, you, it won't take any faith. You will know for a fact that it is the reality, the universe. If you go through either door, the door will dissipate. It will vanish behind you. Which universe mm -hmm. would you choose? Sure. So i got two choices, and I'll know for a fact that whatever door I take is true. I'm just wanting to clarify the question, Brad. Mm -hmm. um, so one of them is the universe with Jesus. So Jesus being the prime mover, the prime cause, Jesus. Or, or, or is it just Jesus, or is it Jesus and the triune God, the God and the Holy Spirit and the biblical, uh, you know, uh, God? Is it Jesus and, I mean, I know some Christians understand Jesus is just, Jesus is God, is the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's three. I mean, we're talking about Christianity here, or are we just talking about Jesus? Just Jesus. See, that's a hard one for me to answer because, you know, Jesus comes with a lot of baggage because he's the son of God, right? Mm -hmm. So that assumes a God. Um, i got to be honest with you. I'd probably ponder this for a long time. Um, so this answer may not be the one that I end up going with if I were in this uh, very, very strange hypothetical. But I think that I'm more interested in a universe without God than a universe with the Christian idea of a God, which would necessitated by Jesus. Um, I don't really think that there's a whole lot more to learn 
about the way that Jesus and the Christian religion paints the world and its creation. And I think that there's a whole lot left to learn in a universe without God. So uh, I think that's probably the door I'd end up choosing. Okay. How did you become an atheist and when? Um, uh, how did I become an atheist? I mean, it was just kind of a, a slow process. I was raised in a, in a Christian household, not super church going, but we would go on Easter Sunday and, uh, we'd go to, um, you know, maybe sometimes around Christmas we'd go and we'd go every once in a while. I went to Sunday school for, for a spell when I was a kid. Um, I was taught uh, that Jesus was real, that the Bible was true. I read the Bible cover to cover as a teenager. I was still a Christian as a teenager, um, although that's when I started questioning uh, my faith. And it was actually diving headfirst into Christianity that got me out of it. Uh, when I became a teenager, some people out there will empathize with this, I went a little nuts. Puberty kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I went a little crazy and I was looking for answers to some very, very hard questions, um, in a hormone addled teenage brain. And I turned to what my family had taught me, which was religion, the Bible, Christianity. I read the Bible cover to cover. Um, I've read most of the Bible multiple times. Um, I used to listen to, uh, to pastors on tape. And uh, late night on, on the TV, I was, I was searching for that. And in that search, I found way more questions than I found answers. And that led me to reach out to religious people in my community, pastors of churches. I went to a, a priest in my little town. I went to a, um, a, an evangelical Christian priest that pre preached at the, uh, at the uh, Church of God in Madera, California. And uh, I'd ask the people these questions, and the questions were basic stuff. Things like Noah's Ark, and, you know, why does science say that this biblical flood thing absolutely did not happen? And, and why can I look at evidence that it didn't happen, but why does the Bible say it does happen, and why do I come to church and you're telling me it did happen? Why am I supposed to look at the rainbow and, and, and think it's a promise from God when this is just a story? It didn't happen. There's no way. And the answer I got always boiled down to, well, God works in mysterious ways, or you got to have faith, you got to have understanding, you got you to gotta hand over your will to God. There are just some things that we cannot understand, and I don't accept that, man. Now, I don't, I don't purport to understand every fucking thing in the world. I'm not, I'm not that smart a guy. I'll be honest with you, Brad. But I like the idea that I can understand things if I so choose. I don't like having that removed from me. I don't like somebody telling me, this is the way the world works, and if you want to ask questions, too goddamn bad, it's above you. That just sticks in my craw, man. And that's how I got out of religion. By the time I was in my early 20s, I was uh, calling myself an agnostic. What I really meant was agnostic atheist. Um, <laughs> and uh, it just kind of happened for me. So uh, you were kind of instrumental in bringing me out of my uh, theism, putting the nail in the coffin at least. I mean, I was already well down the road when I discovered your, your videos back in the day, but um, you certainly got me involved in the, in the atheist community on YouTube. 
I, I probably wouldn't have made videos had it not been for so you know you you moved me a little along along that path maybe that's maybe that's why you and I have such a long and sordid association Brett <laughs> all right the next question is what do you think happens to us when we die uh, nothing I think that when the biological that makes up our bodies ceases to exist um we cease to exist i think it's you know i i don't know who said it but i've heard it said that it, uh dying is probably a lot like uh before you were born um there's comfort in in death for atheists you know i i feel like and i'm not saying you brad i'm not pointing the finger at you i'm trying to keep this drama free i'm just saying theists in general have a tendency to paint the atheist idea of death as bleak right there's nothing. You just you're just here and you just wink out and it's nothing. But I'll tell you a little story. Do you do you mind if I digress into a little story? You know me. I'm I was, a. I was actually hey, well, going to ask you if you wanted to tell some stories during the interview. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, if it's all right with you, this this will be a quick one. Take as long as you need. Sure. I was uh, I was driving around one day for my job. I used to work for a school district. I was a computer technician for a school district for a number of years and. Part of my job was driving between school sites, and I was driving between school sites one day, and I was uh, driving through an intersection, and all of a sudden I lost consciousness. My head rolled back, my eyes rolled back. I snapped out of it immediately, and I was able to keep control of my car, but I immediately pulled over. I didn't feel right. I called my, my ex-wife, uh, my wife at the time, and um, she told me, call the, call the, an ambulance. And I said, no, I'm, I'm just going to call my doctor. I'm, I'm feeling a little better. So I did it. I went and saw my doctor, blood pressure, long story short, my blood pressure was through the roof. It was so high that they were considering hospitalizing me. The only reason that they didn't is because it lowered while I was there a little bit, but they immediately prescribed me, um, some pretty heavy duty, uh, blood pressure medicine. And one of those was a blood thinner, and one of those was a beta blocker, I guess, or something like that. Uh, two very hardcore medicines, and at a pretty high dose. My, it was it was catastrophically high. I was in danger of a major, major heart attack or some shit, right? I, uh, the first uh, couple of days that I was on these pills, uh, I would get dizzy. And one day, I'd taken these pills, and I'd made the mistake of taking them at the wrong time. I was supposed to space them out, take one in the morning and one in the evening, and I forgot the morning, and I took them both at once. And I was sitting on my couch, and I stood up to go to the kitchen to get something. Now, this all does... What the fuck does this have to do with death? I, I got up, went into the kitchen, and I felt my heart stop. It stopped beating, and I felt the blood drain out of my brain, and I and I and my vision closed in, and I had just enough time to go. Ah, uh, I made that noise. That's the noise I made. Ah, uh, and I hit the ground, and I was gone. Now I don't know that I died. I'm not experience here, but it was like nothing I'd ever experienced. It wasn't like being asleep. There was no dream. It wasn't like being in a deep meditative state because I've meditated. I've been hypnotized. Um, I just wasn't. Do you understand what I'm saying to you, Brett, for a couple of seconds? Mm -hmm. I just wasn't. And I remember being scared going in because my body was shutting down. But once I started to fall, that last moment of consciousness... 
It was peaceful. And it wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel, and it wasn't God's love, and it wasn't all my family members' love. It was just emptiness. I just wasn't for a second. And as I had that experience, I look at death in a very different way now. I used to be very, as an atheist, before I had that experience, and this happened to me four years ago, maybe, maybe even less. might have been more like three years ago, two years ago. Um... I've looked at death differently. The idea of everything being over. I'm comforted by the idea that there's nothing for me to do after I'm done. When I die, it's I won't even know it's over. That's kind of a beautiful thing to me. All right, I'm going to stop it. Okay. If there is no God, can we just do what we want? Um... Can we? Yes. Should we? Probably not. Um, but should is one of those tricky words, right? What should a person do with their own life? Um, I tend to draw the line where most people draw the line at impinging on another person's property or life or uh, physical well-being, you know, um, like that kind of social division. But this idea that... <laughs> We can't do anything that we want with our lives is not one I subscribe to. Um, you are perfectly um, welcome to be Brett Keen. Yeah. Now, I may not agree with Brett Keen, but anybody that argues to me that you don't have the right to be Brett Keen is going to find themselves at the wrong end of the argument with me. Now, that's the way I feel about pretty much anybody. I don't like it when people step over the line and hurt other people's lives, um, especially physically taking things, uh, stealing uh, property from people. I mean, these, these are all societal norms that I think have a place in human society. Um, but can't steal? That's bullshit. You can. This idea that you can't rape... Well, I mean, there, there are societal consequences, but you can. Um, you know, this I, I guess I just kind of balk at the idea that, that people need a god to stop them from doing those things. Uh, because, you know, I've met a lot of non-believers, as you call them, in my life. And, uh, you know, no rapists, no murderers. Um, no thieves. Well, I, I'm not going to say I've never met an atheist thief. Um, but you get my drift, Brett. Mm -hmm. Um, oh shit. <laughs> Speaking of an atheist thief, <laughs> there went my vape. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> anyway, you get my drift, Brett. All right, the last theological question. It's going to be tougher than the other ones, but just want to hear your opinion on it. It's really no right or wrong on this question, but this is uh, actually the thing I was trying to get into with the atheist experience. Would like to see what you'd do with it. Huh? Stephen Hawking claims that the universe has a beginning, that nature, time, and space came into existence. If that is the case then how can the cause be a natural explanation since nature had a beginning from a cause? Uh, will you accept I don't know yeah, as an answer? 
Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, that, <laughs> not to go too deep into it, but those are my three favorite words in the English language. I don't know. I don't know, Brett. I'm not a cosmologist. Uh, I'm not a quantum physicist. What? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, man. Uh, and I'm happy with that. I, I, I do think that human beings have the capacity to know. I think that if we keep searching, we're certainly going to get closer to the truth rather than farther from it. Um, but I don't know. I'm not going to claim as a, as a, as a fat stoner neckbeard guy on a podcast that I could tell you, um, what the beginning of reality looked like or what existed before, or how that works. I mean, I've heard theories, um, you know, have you heard about, uh, the great, what, what do they call it? The great crunch. You ever heard of that one? Brett? I, I've heard of the crunch. I usually, uh, I got the, the big, the big crunch. Yeah. The big crunch. Cause it's the big bang and the big crunch. Right. Yeah. So there's this, there's this theory. And, and, and I know that this is a strong current theory that, you know, the known universe or reality itself is going through what may be an infinite cycle of expansion and contraction. You know, a big explosion, all matter dissipates into the into the uh, universe, into the nothingness, and then uh, gravity pulls it all back together to a single, infinitely dense, infinitely small point, and it all happens again, man. And I think that's just as plausible as, well, there's a God, what done, done it. <laughs> you know, I, you know, for me, I, I, you know, as a layman, I like one of those explanations better than the other. Uh, I don't know if either one is true. Well, I, I have to say that the answer I don't know is intellectually honest. It works for me. Ready to Thank get you. on to some different questions? Thank you. All right. So here we go. All right. Who is your favorite Paul's Ego fan? Favorite Paul's ego fan. I don't know, man. Um, you know, uh, Ashley was kind of a Paul's ego fan before we started dating, although the way we met was kind of not the way that a lot of people suspect it was. Um, but, you know, she's she's up there. I know she's a fan of what I do. Uh, my mama is also a Paul's ego fan, so I think those two ladies would probably <laughs> buy for the top spot. <laughs> There you go. Is it too personal to ask how you met? Not at all, man. Um, my friend, uh, I, I have a friend, I used to do hangouts on my channel a lot. Mm -hmm. And I met a lot of my fans uh, that way and talked with them for many, many hours over the course of uh, a few months when I was doing it a lot. One of the people I met there is a guy named Jason, a guy who I think you've had some run-ins with in the past, and we can talk about that if you like, but... Um, <laughs> Jason and I play video games together, and he's a troll. He's a, you know, Jason is a professional troll. And he, uh, he's, a, he's a young kid, too, so he's, he's, he's a troll, and he's got the, the, the twin problems of being a troll and being too dumb to know, and too, 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 too dumb and young to know that his trolling bothers people. But I like Jason. He makes me laugh harder than anybody I've ever known. So he and I get along in that way. And uh, he appeals to kind of a childishness that, that's in me, I think, uh, in a way that not many, many of my friends do. Um, anyway, he uh, happened to be friends with Ashley, um, who played a video game with him. You know, there were video game buddies. You probably have video game buddies, being a World of Warcraft guy. Mm -hmm. um, they were video game buddies, and he was 
talking to her one night, just independent of me, and he said something about the drunken peasants, and she was like, oh, you're a drunken peasants fan? She's like, I love the drunken peasants. And he was like, oh, I didn't know you watched them. And he said, you know, I'm friends with Paul Zigo. And she was like, ah, bullshit. And he brought me into the call, and that's how we met. So she was a fan of the show that just by happenstance happened to know somebody who knew me, which is kind of cool, right? That is pretty awesome. I always assume that internet relationships don't uh, flourish, but uh, you just you just proved me wrong on that. Well, you know that's a that's the way a lot of people are meeting. I know you've been in a long term relationship, uh, and and you guys did not meet on the internet. And kudos for that, man. I, I'm not dogging that, but people are meeting on the web now, man. A lot of people are meeting each other online, and this is my first relationship that had its uh, start. But, um, man, it's worked out great so far. That's awesome. All right. The next question I got for you is, uh, and this is kind of a dramatic question. Uh, okay. In a lot of people's eyes, I'm your favorite person to mock. Out of all the millions of assholes on the planet, why me? <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question, Brad. <laughs> it is true. You, you probably are my favorite uh, person to mock. Um... Why, out of all the assholes on the planet, why you? There's a lot of reasons for that, Brett. I mean, part of it, I think, is is, is rooted in a little bit of disappointment um, because I liked you. And I can, you know, I never really considered you a friend, but you and I had interactions in the past, and I thought, you know, that you and I might be cordial on several occasions. You know, we've had these kind of tries at being cool with one another, you and me. And I just feel like every do that uh you just you, you something happens that makes me wish i hadn't and um i i want to like you because i feel like you're like a lot of people i grew up around you know and i don't mean to dog you but i kind of i grew a lot my dad's side of the family comes from missouri okay so my roots are kind of where you're from and um a lot of people speak the way you speak and a lot of my family acts in ways, you know, there's a very, there's a kind of a Missouri dialect and a Missouri state of mind. You know this, being from there. <laughs> and I see that in you, and I don't dislike that, you know, but I just feel like that when I, I reach out and try and like something about me, you snatch it back by revealing that you're not really that way. Um, so why do I like to mock you? I mean, there, I mean, that's one of the reasons. Another reason, and I'm not trying to be rough here. I'm just being honest. You want honesty, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I feel like that you've crossed the line with me in a way that not a lot of people have in my life. I mean, I can't really think of another person in my life that has called me a pedophile publicly. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe trolls on the internet. But I'm talking about like a dude with a face in front of a webcam going, this man is a pedophile, or this man's wife left kids and lost his job. Nobody but you makes up weird lies about me. And so it makes me feel like I have a green light and putting a middle finger up every time I, I interact with you. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's what you do to me. And if that's the nature of our relationship, I'm, I'm honestly cool with it. You know? Um, because clearly, you know, I have fun doing it. And a lot of people think it's funny, man. My Brett Keen voice may not 
sound a lot like you in actuality, but people think it's funny, <laughs> you know, and I think it's funny, and uh, that's that's basically where I stand. Now, do I want you fucking drug out in the street and shot? No. Do I want you, you or your family hurt or beaten or any, any of this shit that you've kind of accused us of in the past and sending our friends to threaten you and shit? I don't want that shit to happen, man. And when people tell me that they're threatening your, like... Like, I have seen people leave nasty comments on your videos, right? Mm -hmm. if, if one of those persons were to come to me and go, Hey, Paul Zigo, look what I did, man. <laughs> I trolled Brett Keen. I tell him to stop being a dick. You know, I don't like that. I don't like crossing that line with you, even though I do feel like you've crossed that line with me. But your wife and kids. I mean, Dawn has in inserted herself into your videos, and she's an adult. But your kids. I mean, I've never really fucked on your kids. I think your I think your I think your boy draws a, a a mean link and a mean fucking Optimus Prime to be honest with you. So that's about where where my criticism of him <laughs> begins and ends. But you know, as far as us having a having this kind of back and forth drama fiasco bullshit, um, people like watching it. Um, I got to be honest, I don't really feel bad uh, when it's you because every time I've started to feel empathy from you, you've pulled the rug out from under my feet and shown me that you're willing to say that I'm a pedophile or willing to insinuate that a friend of mine raped somebody back in high school. So anyway, there's your answer. That's the honest answer. All right. You've probably been asked this question quite a few times in the past, but why Paul's ego as a name? Why not the badass lumberjack or many other creative names? Paul's ego started as a band name idea for school. Um, I was in a little high school band. Eventually, we decided on the name Apple Nasty for our band. Um, and, and that was what we called, and you may or may not know what I'm talking about, but some people will know. We used to drink, back when we were teenagers, we used to drink Carlo Rossi wine. Big jugs of Carlo Rossi wine. Cheap shit. And we called it Apple Nasty because a lot of it was apple wine. So we ended up naming ourselves Apple Nasty. But when we were trying to decide on our band name, I hated everybody's ideas. I kept shooting down everybody. I was like, no, that's not cool enough. No, that sucks. No, no, no. And then finally, one of my friends, Morgan, got really pissed at me. And he said, you know what, Paul? Why don't we just call the band Paul's Giant Fucking Ego? <laughs> and we all laughed. And then we actually played around with the idea of calling the band Paul's Ego for a while. And having all the other people in the band wear masks. So that the only person that was like the front man of the group was me and making it a band that's like, look at me, me, I'm the talented one, you know. We didn't end up going that, that way, but I always liked the idea. So when it came time to make my YouTube channel, I was thinking, what am I going to call myself? Paul's Ego. There it was. So that's where it came from. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. When did you discover that you were good, <clears throat> talented at telling stories? Uh, very young. Very, very young. Um, I've talked openly about this on my social media and, and an alcoholic household, um, which meant that there were a lot of adults around, a lot of drunk people. And I learned that drunk people loved a story. And they loved it even more if it was coming out of a little kid that looked like they shouldn't be able to tell a story like that. So I did a lot of listening as a little kid to adult people talking about very adult things, uh, work problems, politics, uh, relationship difficulties. And I learned very early what they laughed at. 
So by the time I was 11 or 12 years old, I was a pretty accomplished storyteller for, for a young person because I'd been doing it for years. Um, and it really is the one thing in life that I love doing. So, you know, if I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty humble person despite being named Paul's ego. Uh, I, don't, I don't really pat myself on the back very often, but I can tell a mean story. And uh, it really is kind of my talent, I think. So, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's about when I kind of figured it all out. All right. Who is Paul the man? Not the internet persona. How would you describe yourself? Hmm. You know, that's a tough question. <laughs> Not tough to answer because there's no answer to it, but tough because I really strive to be as close in real life online. Now, that hasn't always been the case with me. That's a more recent development with me. Um, but... You know, it took me a long time to figure out that you didn't have to act in front of the camera. That you could just kind of, like, a lot of the people that are around me in a personal way would back me up on this. When I'm, like, talking to you now, or when I'm on the Drunken Peasants, I'm not saying things that I wouldn't say conversationally. Um, I'm very person. The things that you don't see are things that I don't think anybody would really want to see. Um, you know, um, aside from the obvious stuff, like me taking a shit or showering, um, I get depressed a lot. And when I'm depressed, I don't like to leave the bed. I mean, I get to the point, it's not that I don't like to leave the bed. I get to the point where I almost can't. And um, during those times in my life, I'm, I'm a very sour, distant person. And it is hard for people who are close to me to stay close like that. Because I do everything in my power to push people away because I want to be alone and I want to try and, 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 and mitigate this depression. But, um, so that's the kind of part of me that, that I think that people on the internet, I guess, don't see. They do see on the internet is me. Um, this is how I am when I'm chilling, you know, this is how I am when I talk. Now I take this a little more seriously than I might a casual conversation off the record, but I'm not answering these questions differently than I would if you were sitting in front of me and this wasn't on tape. Hmm. When when would you say the depression started? And also, if you knew any young people out there who begin or have been suffering from depression, what would you say to them to give them encouragement or advice on how to deal with it? Uh, my depression started in my teen years. Um, uh, 12, 13 is when it really started to set in. Um, puberty, um, this is not uncommon for depression to have an onset in puberty, especially in young adults, um, young males. Um, um, and it became a monster in my life pretty quickly. Uh, I did not have this kind of slow descent into depression. It took, took over my life. And uh, my parents, I was very lucky to have parents that both worked and worked for a place that gave them reasonable health insurance for their children. And so I uh, was taken to see medical professionals very early. I was diagnosed very early on with clinical depression. I was diagnosed late in my life with a generalized anxiety disorder um, and PTSD. I got a lot of problems floating around up in my head, and they've been problems my entire life. Um, and I have not beat them. Uh, uh, I still fight them, I guess. This is all kind of advice to young people. Uh, I went through a phase where I was trying to give advice. I, I reached out to my fans and I said, look, if you're hurting, if you need somebody to talk to, I'm here. 
And the response was so fucking overwhelming. I did nothing but that for two days straight. And I realized not only, number one, I'm not a trained fucking counselor. I shouldn't be taking this on to myself. And two, I can't have a life if I do this. I wanted to help people, but there are so many people out there that need it. And I'm not trained that way. You know, I'm still struggling with it myself. So the advice that I would give to a young person out there that may or may not be struggling, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> May or, may or may not be struggling with depression is this. Um, nobody's going to help you. And I know that's really harsh advice, but society, especially if you're a Westerner, does not understand depression. Some people do, and you need to seek those people out. You need to get help. You need to take charge of your own mental health to the best of your capacity because the nobody's going to scoop you up. Um, we just don't live in that kind of society. You've got to do it yourself. So pick yourself up, call a hotline, get help, do what you do. Figure out what you need to do to get counseling, to get on some medication. And that's all I can tell people. I, uh, I myself, whenever I have depression, I tell myself that these are chemicals fucking with my brain. Do you have some kind of way where you talk to yourself or say something or do some kind of behavior to try to pull yourself out of it? Uh, d getting out of a deep depression for me is a lot about distraction. Um, and, and distraction is actually a help, healthy tool when you're in a deep de depression. Watching movies, uh, uh, listening to good music is a way that I kind of bring myself out of a depression. But really, for me, depression is cyclical. And there's nothing I can do. It, it has to run its course, man. And when I get bad, I'm bad for a while. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's six weeks, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's half a fuck. I've spent half a year fucked up. I mean, you know, there's a reason. You, you go to my Paul, right, and you see these long gaps in video making. And people, people always used to ask me, why you go so long? Well, a lot of those gaps are times when I couldn't bring myself to fucking make a video. I didn't want to deal with it. And it wasn't that YouTube was so stressful. It was just I didn't have it in me to be creative. I didn't have it in me to care enough to put anything out there. And that's always happened in my life, and it will continue to happen. Uh, I fight it the best I can. I know magic bullet. Is it, um, is it getting better for you now that you have more support and people in your life? Yeah, man. Uh, this last year of my life has been insane. I've traveled more and changed more in the last year of my life than I have in the previous 20 years of my life. I've made uh, what I what I uh, consider to be lifelong friendships. I've seen places in the world I never thought I'd see. I've lived in a state I never thought I'd even visit. And now I'm about to move to Seattle, Washington, and, and uh, you know, I'm doing something creative for a living. I'm not swimming in dough, but I can eat, and I got over my head. Uh, I'm a pretty happy camper, man, and that was not true a year ago today. That was not true. So I'm I'm doing all right, man. Thank you for asking. Let's try to do some more upbeat questions. Sure. <clears throat> when in relationships, what is your most positive trait that you see about yourself? Honesty. Um, I didn't used to be an honest person. Are you talking like friendships or, oh, I guess, any kind of human relationship, right? Right, right. Honesty. 
Um, I didn't used to be as honest a person as I am today. Um, in fact, there was a time in my life I'd have called myself a, a, a fucking liar. Uh, I used to lie a lot as a teenager, man. Um, but I've come to value honesty pretty much above all things. I think if you can be honest with a person, then you can have a relationship with that person. And if you can expect honesty back, then you've got a healthy two-way relationship. Um, you can say pretty much anything you want to me, honestly, and I'll consider it. Um, I don't like it when people come at me sideways, and I've come at people sideways. I've been on both ends of that, and I just don't do it anymore. So when it comes to relationships, the foundation is honesty for me. Let's do another upbeat one. Happy, sure. Happiest moment in your life? Happiest moment in my life? Man, so many cliche answers to this question, aren't there? <laughs> um, I have a memory that I'll share with you. I don't know if it's the happiest moment of my life. I don't really categorize things in, in terms of lists. I have trouble answering, what's your favorite this? And what do you think the best this is? But let me let me tell you about a moment I had one time. You may, may or may not like this. A little bit spiritual, maybe, although I, I tend to shy away from that word. I was a, a young man. I was in my early 20s. I was following a, a band around. Uh, the, these guys that were actually neighbors of mine were in a metal band called Spread Needle. And we were traveling all up and down the coast of California. And one night, we found ourselves in San Luis Obispo, California, which is one of my favorite towns in the world. And uh, they played a show. And after the show, we packed up. And we went to my favorite beach in the world, which is Pismo Beach, which is right near San Luis Obispo. And it was late at night. We parked down on the beach. And the guys all made a fire and were sitting around. And I had a, I had a joint. A doobie, Brett. A joint. <laughs> a doob. And I, was, I intended to share my friends, but I had an idea. For some reason, when I got out of the car, and do you like the ocean, Brett, or no? no. You, I, I know maybe you struggle with the ocean as a big, wide-open place. Yeah, it's a struggle. Uh, I love it, man, and to me. And I turned, looked at the ocean. It was night. The moon was out. I could see it kind of lick the water, and I was just drawn. And I went, and I sat down right at the edge of the ocean with a with a water was licking against my feet I took my kick my flip-flops off you know or whatever put my feet in the ocean and I smoked that doobie alone and I stared at the water and I felt at peace for the first time in a long time and I felt more at peace in that moment than I have in recent memory and so maybe that was the happiest moment of my life that quiet little contemplative moment sitting on the edge of the ocean All right. So the next question I have for you, have you had any ideas for the drunken peasants that you felt were good and they were actually used and you're very proud of it? Uh, sure. Um, now, this wasn't only my idea, but it was born of a conversation between me and Scotty. We do a little segment on the show called the Pokemon Hotline. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I'm sure you have. Um where we make up wild, fantastical stories um, and claim that it's people that are that are calling in. And uh, that was born of a conversation between Scotty and uh, in New Orleans when we were there for a meetup. 
and we thought it was a crazy idea uh, that the other guys probably wouldn't be into because we were, you know, smoking a little pot and laughing about it outside. And we brought TJ in, and he immediately went with it. He was like, "Oh, we got to do it." And then we brought Ben in, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we got to we got to try it." And when we did it, the people liked it. So yeah, man, I'm, I like that. I like the improvisational nature of it, and I like the fact that we can have guests come in and do it sometimes, you know. Um, it's a lot of fun. I know it's at your expense, but, you know, so be it. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a fun little segment, and it was, you know, partially at least my idea. All right. This next question is kind of along the same lines. Um, have you had any ideas for the drunken uh, peasants that you were really proud of and thought would be cool? However, unfortunately, they were disregarded, and you felt mm. like it deserved something. Mm. That's a good question. You know, when the guys don't go with an idea, it's a very collaborative thing on the drunken peasants. And when I spit something out and they with it, I kind of disregard it myself because I trust their instincts on things. So I'm trying to think of something, honestly, and I want to give you, you know, a good answer on this, but I can't really think of one that I'm still carrying the torch for that I didn't get to try in some way. Um, one of the cool peasants is that any one of us has a great idea. It's probably going to happen. You know what I mean? In some capacity, we're going to make it happen. So I, I really don't feel that any major idea that I've had has been disregarded, honestly. All right. I have, uh, looking at your, your Twitter sometimes, I notice people post memes and pictures. Where did the dead inside and the white guilt shit come from? Where is that? I, I can't figure that out anywhere. White guilt, Paul. Yeah, that is a picture of me uh, that was taken on the worst day of my life. <laughs> well, maybe not the worst day of my life, but um, I was working for the school district as a technology consultant. I had recently, uh, before that picture, decided for whatever fucking reason to shave my beard off. And you can see in the picture that I was trying to grow it back, but it was at that really awkward stage. Um, I was sick. I showed up to work that day, sick, and walked into my boss's office, and he was like, oh, I'm glad you're here. It's picture day. And I was like, fuck, of course it is. So I walked in, uh, because, you know, the, the school district maintains a website with uh, all the employees' pictures and a profile about them and shit, and it was that day. So I went into the little photo thing they had set up. They hired some local photographer to come take pictures of everybody, and I took the worst picture ever. And uh, when I became part of the drunken peasants, somebody, a troll, I guess, uh, although, you know, whatever, it, it ended up making a great uh, bit for the show, so I like trolls, uh, found that picture of me, figured out my real name, and was able to search that and found that on Google on the, on the website of my old employer. And it's a horrible picture, and I knew it was going to be released, so I just released it to the peasants. I gave it to them, and I was like, look, this is the worst picture ever of me. And they put it on there, and they all laughed, and it became a great thing for the show. But yeah, that's what, it, that's what it's from. Just a bad day. Bad picture on a bad day, man. <laughs> all right, I understand that you, uh, as an entertainer, you've also been interested in acting in the past, so I think you'll like this question. Do you sure. think some people are entertainers and actors because... One of the reasons might be that they preferred not being themselves. Sure. 
Um, I mean, there's a strong streak of narcissism uh, in performers, too, that can't be ignored, though. Um, I think that... Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I've worked uh, with a lot of actors. Um, I spent a lot of time in high school and in college doing uh, community theater and college-level theater. Um, I traveled. I did competitions. I, I did Shakespearean theater. I did modern theater. I did musical theater. I ran the gamut and, and kind of devoted about 10 years of my life to that. And uh, I met people of all different stripes. You know, this idea that all performers can be pegged it just doesn't exist. There are some people that are looking to run from what they are. Uh, uh, there are some people that are looking to magnify what they are. Uh, enjoy the idea of uh, slipping into somebody else's skin and looking looking at the world through a different pair of eyes. And, and, and uh, you know, I think I'm all of those things. Um, you know, I think all of those are true of me. So... I look at it pretty in, in a pretty complex way. It's probably not that complex, but being kind of from that background, I overanalyze it maybe. All right, this next question, I'm going to warn you, it's going to probably get you in trouble, but I know you like okay. the challenge. Sure. Who, who is your favorite, and you can only pick one, of the drunken peasants? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Well... This is not a hard one for me to answer, um, and, and, I, and I think it's a pretty obvious answer. Um, I, I'm very lucky to enjoy a really good relationship with all the dudes I work with, and I like them all. I spent like three and a half hours last night on Periscope with Scotty just having a fucking conversation. I love talking to these dudes. The dude that I think I identify most with is TJ. Um, I met, when, when I met TJ uh, for the first time in person, it was in L.A., for a, a drunken peasants meetup there. And uh, we had basically like a four or five day long conversation. And I like to talk, Brett, but I don't really spend time talking to people that I don't have some measure of respect for. And I don't have four day long conversations. But, I mean, we slept, obviously, but really we would sleep get up in the you know get up and around maybe eat some food and then we would sit down and continue the conversation from the night before um you know he and i talk well and we meld well and we got brains that kind of do nice things when when they're mixed together and uh so if i had to pick a fucking favorite i guess it'd be good old cj the amazing atheist <laughs> all right Okay, uh, from time to time, I like to see what's going on in Periscope, see how you're doing. And I noticed you said one day that you would not have a beer with someone that's crazy, which I can completely understand that, but you did say you'd have a beer with Adolf Hitler. That was a little... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the name of the show on Periscope is High Diaz. Um, <laughs> so, you know, say I won't have some, a beer with somebody that's crazy. What I kind of meant was a person that's frothing at the mouth and that might jump and off or stab me. I don't think Hitler would stab me, you know? And, and I, I think he's a reprehensible piece of shit. Um, but would it not be interesting to sit down and have a beer with him and just go, what the fuck, off? What were you thinking? I can you understand know? that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've told people that pretty much as long as I can be assured that over the course of a beer, I'm not going to be shanked. 
or shot in the head. <laughs> Pretty much have a beer with anybody. I mean, I'd sit down with a serial killer, a serial rapist. That doesn't mean that I endorse the things that they did. Um, I'm interested in people. I like to talk to people. You know, it's one of the reasons why I think I gravitated towards the line of work I'm in now. Talking to people is interesting, even if they're people that I think are reprehensible. Mm. Yeah, I I think that uh, when we look back in history at different people, we uh, we just hear you know what someone's biased opinion might be. It might be interesting to sit down and see what their take from their perspective is. Sure. I mean, uh, look, I don't think Hitler's going to sell me on his plan <laughs> over the course of a beer, right? Yeah. But it'd be interesting to pick the dude's brain and see what kind of mind presides over the systematic extermination of a race. It's crazy, right? <laughs> I hear you, man. All right, next question, and then we're going to stop it again. Sure. If something unfortunate were to happen to the drunken peasant's cast, except for yourself, such as ran over by a runaway banana truck, what would you do with sure. yourself? <laughs> Good question. Um, look, man, uh... Jobs on the internet have a have a tendency to be transient. So I would be cool going into thinking, well, the rest of my life I'm going to be a drunken peasant. You know, um, what do I do with myself? Um, I've worked a normal job my entire life. I worked for Starbucks for eight years. I worked for a school district for seven. Uh, I've worked for recycling plants and fast food joints. Um... I've been pretty much solid employed since I was 16 years old with a couple of one-month gaps here and there for school or moving. Um, I'm going to do fine. You know, for the first time in my life, I kind of feel like I'm going to be all right, man. Like, if the peasants doesn't work out, I'm going to be I'm gonna be tore up about it. I love, I love my job right now. But if it goes away, I'll find something, man. Ellen, um... So I'm not really worried about it. That being said, I do intend to kind of do some side stuff uh, of my own once I'm established here in Seattle, uh, where I can be in the studio every day or every show for the for the peasants and uh, take full part in all of that. Yeah. I am going to open up my own channel. Uh, it's probably not going to be the one that I have open now because it's going to be a very different kind of thing. Um, but I've got plans. You know, I've got ideas for some content that's my own going forward. Uh, make make a little extra dough on the side. Who knows, man? All right. I don't. I didn't originally have this question on the uh, the sheet that I've got here on my notepad. But earlier in the uh, interview, you had talked about how whenever you were driving a car, you almost passed out and you had to pull over. And you also spoke about how you fell to the floor. Now, yes. my, my question is, are these health conditions still existing? Is this a problem? Um, well, a lot of the problem that I had with, with, with my blood pressure was comorbid with my mental problems. And the position that I was in then is very different than the position that I'm in now. I, I was in um, a relationship that was broken that caused me a lot of stress. I was working a job that I once had really cared about that had had all of that stripped away from it and had turned into like a corporate job that was awful, stressful. Um, my days were kind of filled to the brim with nothing but ugliness and stress. And um, that exacerbated to a great extent my blood pressure. 
now that I am in a better mental frame of mind, I do not take those drugs anymore. I take a daily aspirin regimen, uh, low-dose aspirin as a blood thinner, and my blood pressure is within healthy norms. So, yeah, it's better now. That's awesome to hear, man. That uh, got me concerned earlier in the conversation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I do have problems, man. I, you know, my, my family has heart disease. Um, I have an enlarged heart from being obese. Uh, not, not, not horribly enlarged, but I have been told by people after CAT scans and x-rays that my heart is a little larger than it should be, and that's um, something that is commensurate with a fat person. You know, so I, you know, it's one of those things that if I go out, it'll probably be the ticker, um, a heart attack or something, something associated, you know. Uh, a while back, we, uh, we discussed health issues and all that, and uh, you had stated, Brett, you got to get away from that, uh, that red meat. You got to get away or you're going to, you know, you're going to blow up, man. Yeah. Have you, uh, I myself, I've been trying to get a bit more movement in. Obviously, I'm a lazy-ass person. I need to work on mm -hmm. that. But what about yourself? Have you been working on it? Um, I'll be honest with you. This last year I've spent in Texas has been a really rough year for me. Uh, the, the big kind of blooming flower in my life has been Ashley and the job. But the job has been hard in Texas. Uh, being a Skype guest is a lot different than being in the studio with the guys. The energy is different. Um, money is a factor for me. I don't make a lot of money doing what I do. Uh, certainly, as, as, as the new guy on the podcast, that makes sense. Um, and, and certainly is changing uh, with time. But that first year was, was rough. Now, I made it. I, I, was, I was paid a living wage. But I spent a lot of time kind of in my own head because I went through a lot of fucking catastrophic changes last year. A lot of big life changes happened, and I needed some time to um, process that, I guess. And that was last year, and it was rough, but I'm doing good, man. Um, things are moving in a positive direction for me, and that's more than I could say um, for the last couple of decades of my fucking life, so... All right, that is awesome to hear, man. That's awesome to hear. My next question for you is, um, when I spoke to you in the past, you told me something. I never forgot about this. This actually, it was weird to me, but it kind of brought some joy. <laughs> okay. You, you said you told me you were happy whenever I plugged your channel a long time ago. And that you actually ran in and you told the wife about it and all that. And I thought it weird. Why would why would you be inspired or happy about me promoting your channel for? I was just a depressed, angry, pissed off person. <laughs> no, see, that's the you weren't. Yeah, I mean, you may have that view of yourself as as an atheist, but that's not how I saw you back then. I mean, you were king shit back in the day. When you shouted me out on your channel and I got a hundred subs in a day. I did, man. I, I, this is, you know, hand to God, whatever that means from an atheist. I ran to my, my wife at the time, and I said, look, Fred Keen shouted me out, and we were just hitting the refresh button on my on my email and watching those subs notifications come in, you know? Yeah, man, I was stoked, of course. You know, I've said this before. I liked you back in the day. And I don't dis... I mean, I, I guess I kind of do dislike some of the things you do. I don't dislike you now, obviously. I'm here doing an interview with you. Um, you know, of course I was stoked. <laughs> I was just wondering. Let's see. All right, the next question. 
Oh boy. Okay. A while back, this is a, a more darker type of question. Um, sure. You told me you were talking to me, and um, I I asked you, is there anyone that you hate? And you actually stated you seem like you were in a weird mood whenever you said this, but you said that sometimes you hate yourself more than anything. Why? Yeah. Um, that's part of my illness, man. Um, one of the one of the things that really helps me on the drunken peasants is that. It may not seem like it at times, but I got a pretty fucking thick skin. Uh, you got to say something pretty harsh to me to really get to me. Now, sometimes people will poke me in a, in a, in a sore spot, but I've learned to swallow that. A lot of that's being a fat kid. Um, fat kids get treated pretty badly in the school system, and I was a fat kid uh, from the sixth grade on. So, um, but nobody, nobody really can me up better than I can. And there are times when I really do genuinely despise myself. Um, I have learned over the years that that is not real. Um, that that's part of my illness. That that's a distortion of reality. Um, but yeah, man, I'm my harshest critic. And there are times when that's true. Um, I don't really ascribe hate to other people. But there have been times in my past and probably will be times in my future if, if the cyclical depression that I suffer from is anything to say about it, where I will absolutely hate myself. And I can't tell you why, uh, other than it's part of my illness. All right, I'm going to stop it. All right, we've been sitting here talking a little bit about vapor before starting back up the record. And yes, I've been doing vapor and I haven't... Uh... I haven't had a cigarette for quite some time. It's worked. It's awesome, man. I'm going on three years. Now, I won't lie to you and tell you that I haven't had a cigarette in three years, but I haven't bought a pack of cigarettes in three years, and I've had probably about as much cigarettes as I could count on one hand uh, in that amount of time. I'm certainly not, I don't consider myself a smoker anymore. So good kudos to you, man. That's a big step for your health. I'm trying to get uh, TJ on the vapor. So, working on it, but I'm glad to hear that you're off those fucking coffin nails, man. Well, it's not just uh, it's not just picking up the vapor and doing it. You gotta really, really want to. And during our interview, he said that it's so romantic to have that cigarette. <laughs> He's got to break the romance. He's got to let that go, man. Hey, pick vapors, man. Look, it's romantic, right? Yeah. The way it the way it coils. <laughs> See. <laughs> there you go it's all about the perception it's how you work it yeah. all right what is your philosophy in life um i don't know that i have a philosophy that i live by i mean look it's kind of this kind of harkens back i think to the relationship question earlier honesty and openness is how i try and live my life um I have found so much joy and positivity in being honest about myself. Uh, every time I've kind of dipped my toe in the water um, with regards to revealing something uh, that about myself that I consider to be maybe like a skeleton, talking openly about my, my mental illness was a big one. Um, I feel liberated by it, and I feel not only liberated by it, in terms of uh, a release of maybe some guilt, but also liberated by it in terms of how good it feels life and not have to lie. 
about anything really. Now there are things I don't talk about people. I don't like dragging, uh, you know, family members of mine into things that they're not involved in. And, uh, you know, I certainly hold back, but when it comes to me, I'm an open book, man. You ask me a question and I'm going to answer you to the best of my ability, honestly. And that's a cool way to live. No, I hear you. That sounds good. It's the way to go. What's the one thing you'd like to change about yourself? Uh, I'd like more willpower. Uh, I know that's a cliche answer, but really, uh, losing weight would be such a good, good thing for me. And if I could dig into some hidden reserve of willpower in myself to make that change in myself, that would probably be uh, what I would change. Um, I wouldn't really into changing anything mentally about myself. Um, you know, the things I struggle with have shaped me into who I am. And I, for the first time in my life, I kind of like who I am. So I'd definitely say maybe a little, uh, little less fat, a <laughs> little bit of ability to fucking, you know, get up and do some exercise, say no to that Chipotle burrito when it comes by. No, thank you. I'll have a salad, sir. I don't think that, I don't think that's cliche at all. I could use some willpower. Like I said earlier, I'm lazy, son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, I hear you, man. <laughs> Do you consider yourself an introvert or extrovert? I'm an extrovert. Um, now, I can be pretty introverted. Depression does make me that way. But uh, when I feel like I am myself, I'm an outgoing guy. I like to be around people. Uh, not big crowds. Um you know, I tend to not like big crowds of anonymous people. I don't like going to concerts anymore as an older guy. I used to love going to big rock concerts and being down in the fucking pit and getting sweaty ass in your face. You know, I used to like that shit. I can't hang with that no more, man. And maybe that's just getting old. I don't know. Um, that type of stuff I, I tend to stay away from. I don't really like... I'm not the type of guy that will wait in line movie the first day it comes out because i like to go a few weeks in like i can wait and then i got my own like i can spread out a little bit because there's not two dudes sitting next to me you know what i mean <laughs> um but i like people i like talking to people and i like uh learning about people um so yeah, i'm definitely an extrovert all right. I know you, earlier you said you're not really into the whole uh, favorites this because you like so much stuff. But uh, do you have a favorite book or movie? I do. I. I mean, I can list a, a few for you if you want. Sure. I mean, uh, I have trouble on the lists, but uh, um, Johnny Got His Gun by Dalton Trumbo is a book that I read that changed my life. Uh, a People's History of the United States, Zen, uh, The Lord of the Rings. Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Those are probably my four favorite books of all time. Uh, Movie-wise, my favorite movie um, is usually, when people ask me this, I just default to Aliens. Not Alien. Aliens. Sigourney, are you a fan of that at all, Brett? Come on. Alien, Sigourney Weaver? Sigourney Weaver. The, the, the second one, though. Aliens, where they're the badass space marines and... Newt, the little girl. You remember the one? I liked all the aliens except for the one with Predator. I think they could have done better. You're right. You're right. But Aliens is probably my favorite movie of all time, although I love the Big Lebowski. 
Um, I love uh, there's a there's a movie called Glenn Gary Glenn Ross that I think has the most beautiful dialogue ever in a movie. Um, you know, so I'm, I, I do find it hard, but those are some those are some names dropped, I guess. Okay, I got an odd question for you. This isn't on my list, but uh, because you brought up that movie, what would you do if TJ came to you one day and said, hey, we're going to, we just got a, a note here stating that we're going to be able to bring Jeff Bridges on as a guest in the DP. What would that do to you? Oh, man, I'd fucking flip. Like, we we were recently talking on the show about uh, possibly doing a meetup in Albuquerque, and Jeff Bridges lives in Albuquerque. Uh, and there's a bar in Albuquerque that he's known to go to just to chill and drink a beer every once in a while. And we were like, oh, dude, we got to go at least one night if he's there. Like, I'm usually, when it comes to celebrities, I'm really cautious. I've met a few celebrities in my life, but I've never been the type of guy that walks up to a celebrity like, oh, man, oh, let me shake your hand, you know. Um, but him, I would, because Jeff Bridges is just so fucking cool, man. To get a picture with him... Like, I would be such, like, that would be my profile picture on everything for the rest of my life. You know, uh, to have him as a guest, he, he's, of course, a dream guest. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe the peasants will get uh, the, the type of stature one day that a guest like that won't be out of, the, out of the question. I'd love it, man. Speaking of Jeff Bridges and Aliens and all that, one of my favorite movies by him is Starman. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Starman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like Starman. Um, I like uh, Tron. I even liked uh, Jeff Bridges and Tron Legacy, man. Whatever, TJ. <laughs> All right. You ready for the next question, or are you being distracted? Oh, no, I'm fine. TJ just uh, came to sit down here and enjoy my vapor a little bit. But I'm not distracted. I'm ready to move. Here's one of those questions that can get any guy in trouble. Are you more okay. into looks or brains? Ooh. Oh, yeah, no, you can steal it if you want it. Here. Sorry about that, Brett. That's all Oh, good. okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry, we, we, we sometimes got to switch hats in this house. <laughs> TJ gets tired of a certain hat, and, you know, he gets his mind set on a hat. Um, <laughs> looks or brains? Um, hmm. I'd have to say uh, that's a tough one. I am initially attracted to brains. Um, now, that's not true. I, I see a hot chick, and I appreciate a hot chick. But when it comes to a relationship, a brain is so important. I can't, I, I can't see myself being in a, a series uh, with somebody that's just completely not there. Um, you know, I need somebody that can challenge me mentally. Uh, so I'd say brains probably um, before looks, although you know, looks are important to me. I'm not going to lie. I'm a dude. All right. Now, uh, this one's kind of rough and kind of a weird one, but would you ever take back someone if they cheated on you? Uh, well, I can answer that question from experience, yes. Oh. Uh, my first real relationship, not my not my uh, my previous marriage, but the, the long-term relationship I was in prior to that, uh, the girl, uh, cheated on me and, uh, she left me before I found out. And then I found out afterwards and, you know, it just kind of compounded the, the, the pain of being dumped. 
Um, but I actually did come to a point where I would have forgiven her, and I asked her uh, to come back. Um, the, I guess I can tell you about the conversation that went down, because I, I knew about one person. I knew that she had slept with one person while we were together, and it was a person that I knew, so that compounded the pain. But I, I kind of reached a point where I was, I was willing to forgive it. And I was, I was like, look, let's fix what's broken about us. Whatever caused you to look outside of us for that, let's fix it. I, I, and, I, and I sat down and I had that conversation with her. And I said, look, I'm willing to forgive this, and, and I want to try, but I just need to know, like, that that was it. I need you to come clean with me. Like, maybe there was another time that something happened, but I just, I need... Um, well, what do you, like, what do you want me to say? And I said, just tell me what happened. And she said, can we just stop at several? And, um, I looked at her and I stood up and I got in my car and I, forever again. <laughs> so, you know, I guess one indiscrepancy, one indiscretion, maybe I'm the type of guy that could forgive that multiples over the course of a long-term relationship is a pattern um, that I'm not willing to kind of go with. So, mm -hmm. Who is the one person that you think you could talk to about literally anything? Um, my mother. <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm a mama's boy. Um, I can't think of a single thing that I would have a hard time talking to her about if I really needed to. So there's your answer. I was going to ask you the question, if you're in a bad mood, do you prefer to be left alone or someone to cheer you up? But I think the ocean uh, thing pretty much did that one. Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> what is the ideal weekend for you? The ideal weekend? The ideal weekend doesn't exist. Uh, I don't like this idea that there's a rigid weekend. Um, I like to kind of um, work. I love. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't exist without working. I would go out of my fucking mind. Um, but I like to be able to choose when I work, and it's not something I've ever really had until now. Now we have a rigid time schedule for the peasants, but when it comes to the outside things, I don't have a fucking bedtime. And I don't have a call time. I can kind of build my life the way I want it. Um, and that's really the ideal weekend for me, is that when you need to slow down, maybe you got the capacity where you can. Now, there are some times with my current job, it's crunch time, man. There's six things that need to be done today. It's going to take nine fucking hours, and there's no other day we can do it, so let's do it. Uh, I like that. I thrive on that. But I like to be able to pick and choose when I relax. And so this idea of a weekend doesn't really appeal to me. All right. This next question is going to be uh, something to ponder. What is the one thing that people always seem to misunderstand about you? Um, wow. Yeah, that one does take some pondering, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't really feel altogether misunderstood. I think the biggest min misconception about me in the past from people that I take my softness for weakness, um, and I don't mean softness in, in body, although maybe, maybe that too. I mean, like, I'm a pretty gentle guy. 
Um, I may not come off that way, but I care about people. I've got a pretty strong conscience and a pretty strong empathetic streak. Um, and I've been taken advantage of before. Um, now, nobody gets away with it. Uh, when people take advantage of me, they are confronted. But I do think that if people do have a misconception of me in a personal sense, maybe it's that All right, this next one will be a fun one. What is the craziest thing that you have ever done, and would you do it again? Man, what's the craziest thing I've ever done, and would I do it again? I don't know how fun this one is, Brad. I've done some crazy shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, the craziest thing that I've ever done, that's that's tough. I, I'm not a huge... I mean, I've, wrote, I've written some... Uh, I've ridden some roller coasters. I've never jumped out of a plane or nothing. Um, I'm not that kind of guy, I don't think. Uh, when I was young, my parents were in the four-wheel drive club. They had an old Jeep that they fixed up and put big monster mutter tires on. We would do some crazy shit in that. But I think the craziest thing I ever did was a suicide attempt. And would I do it again? No. Um, <laughs> and now, you know, I know, I know that you meant this to be a fun question, but if I really rack my brain to try and think of what's the craziest shit I ever did. It was uh, as a teenager, I, I planned on committing suicide by driving my car off of a cliff. And I procured myself a, and I proceeded to drink it while I drove up into the mountains to an overlook that I knew uh, near a place called Bass Lake in California. A uh, beautiful overlook where you can see the whole Central Valley and a nice two or three hundred foot sheer drop down a cliff. By the time I, I got there, uh, I was so drunk that I could barely funk. I pulled my car up to the guardrail and uh, apparently intended to drive off. It was a wooden guardrail. I bumped it. I woke up the next day uh, with a massive headache with my car touching uh, the guardrail and uh, an empty bottle of vodka next to me. And that was that. That's probably the craziest shit I ever did. And I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't recommend that type of uh, thrill-seeking. I hear you there, man. Definitely don't do that. Oof. What is... Okay. No, this question's too rough. What do you think about... Give me... Hey, Brad, give me the rough one, man. Give me the rough one. I want a rough one. All right. What's the biggest regret in life? That is a rough one. <laughs> That is a hey, rough one, I, man. You're right. I, I tried to pass on it. <laughs> I know you did. I asked for this. I asked for the rough one. What's my biggest regret? Um, <clears throat> um, I'd say missed opportunity. You know, my dad used to say to me, when you're old and, and, and on your deathbed and looking back over your life, you will regret the things you didn't do, not the things that you did. Um... There's been a lot of missed opportunity in my life, I'd say. Things that I've passed on that might have been uh, beautiful things. If things that I've passed on that might have been very, very engaging and wonderful things. Things that I've missed out on due to circumstances beyond my control. Well, I think one big regret would be hard for me. But every regret I have tends to kind of revolve around missed opportunity. Um... Any time that I've missed opportunity uh, to do the right thing that's hurt another person, those are going to be my biggest regrets. 
Um, I hurt my ex-wife. Um, I've hurt friends. I've, I've, I've hurt family members. And uh, I've done my level head the best to make amends in all those cases. Um, but I do regret those things. I don't like making other people's lives miserable. Um, that's not that's not what I'm about. So. Okay, I I think that was very brave and took a lot of courage to uh, you know speak about these things. A lot of people they'd have a hard time just putting it out there like that. Sure. All right, I got two last questions for you, and I want to say I appreciate you hanging in there so long with me. For sure, man. All right. What do you think about the most when you're by yourself? Um, these days, it's the future. Um, it used to be the past. For most of my adult life, I used to sit and think about things that had already happened, conversations that I had that could have gone differently, things that I'd done, people that I'd known. Um, and it really served me. Uh, as a storyteller to go back and look at the things that had happened to me and weave them into these kind of stories that I tell people. And I still do that. I still spend a decent amount of time thinking about things that have happened. But these days, I'm planning. And that's kind of a neat feeling, and it's new for me. Uh, I spend a lot of time when I'm alone thinking about where I'm going to be next year or five years from now. Opportunities that I have in to make money or to uh, move myself closer to, to something that I would consider ideal. It feels good to do that. So I'd, I'd say that that's probably when I'm alone now. Maybe maybe it's a 50-50 balance. <laughs> Answering these questions, you know, you don't talk about yourself like this. And you come to the answer maybe by, by answering sometimes. And I'd say maybe I, I spend about half the time in the past and half the time thinking about the future. All right, this next question I got for you, and this is the last one, um, unless you want to talk about anything. The the sure. question that I have for you, and I think that the drunken uh, peasants fans out there and Paul's ego fans are going to shut themselves from this one, but what's it going to take to get you to go to some of the places that you've been in life and do a video where you tell stories about each thing, make a movie about it? Um. I don't know about a movie, but it has crossed my mind to go back to my little town of Madeira and film the house that I grew up in. Is that uh, give where they happened, and uh, talk to some of my family members, my my mom and my sister if she'd participate, my stepdad, even my dad. Uh, although he and I don't really speak much, um, I, you know, it'd be interesting. Um, I don't know that it'll happen. But it is something I've thought, thought about uh, before. I think it'd be fun. And certainly I'll be back in that little town multiple times over the course of my life. My whole family's there. So um, I'd say stay tuned on that. You know, something like that might happen. Uh, it certainly would be fun. Well, I, I do have one more thing because people are going to probably get on to me about it. And it's something that I would find interesting. Um, any chance in the future we could do some more of this, more interviews? I don't see why not, Brett. I mean, this was this was a pretty cool expenditure of time, and I liked your TJ interview, and I've liked your interviews of a couple other people. I like this new direction you're going. Um, now, of course, we're not going to do this every day, uh, but, you know, down the road a piece, you want to do another interview, hit me up on Twitter, man. Um, 
You know, I don't. I never had a, have had a problem talking with people, uh, even people I don't disagree with. You and me don't find ourselves on the same side of many arguments, but we just had just had a relatively civil conversation, and it was interesting for me. So I, yeah, I'd do it again, man. Well, I do find you an interesting, fascinating person. I, uh-huh. I hope you realize in the in the past, whenever I said things like you're a drag and all that, I was just being a dickhead because I was pissed. I know, man. Well, whatever, whatever. Let's let's not have the big gushy makeup, Brett. Let's not do it. It's all good, man. It's the internet, whatever. <laughs> all right, man. I really appreciate you coming uh, on the show and doing this interview and. People need to go over to your channel, subscribe to you, and hopefully you'll make some more videos on your channel as well as doing Drunken Peasants. I know you're busy, but uh, people do enjoy hearing your stories. I know I do. All right, man. Well, I'm looking forward to more interviews, Brad. Thanks for having me, man. My name is Dawn Keen. Please check out our new channel, God TV Radio International Network. Also, check out our gaming channel, Games You Love. You can follow us on Google+, Twitter, and Facebook. Links are in the description. Please don't forget to subscribe, comment, and rate. Have a good day.